welcome to the Green Lectionary Podcast, a production of Creation Justice Ministries. The Green Lectionary is a conversation on scripture through the lens of creation justice. My name is Derek Weston, and today we'll be looking at a text for the second week of Advent from the Revised Common Lectionary. For this episode, I am joined by three guests. Wilson Dickinson, author of the recently released Singing the Songs with My Son, Praying and Parenting for a Healed Planet. Mark Biddle, Hebrew scholar and dean of faculty at Sophia Theological Seminary and Karen Bigelow, co-executive director of Creation Justice Ministries. Before we jump into our show, I just want to give a quick plug for one of Creation Justice Ministries' other programs, Blue Theology. Blue Theology is a place where current science and marine biology meets the theology of creation justice. Each summer, we host youth groups to engage in experiential learning, service projects, and contemplative practice with God's marine creation. We have several locations across the country, and registration is open now. To learn more, go to www.bluetheology.com. Join us as we look at Mark 1 through the lens of creation justice. Our passage for today is uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, Karen, I think I will start with you. Um, Where is creation in this passage? Well, thank you for having me, Derek, on this episode. And so I would say creation creation is here in small ways where we see the mentioning of honey so we see the product of bees we see camel's hair we see um just kind of small references that really show wilderness and it talks about a voice of the calling in the wilderness and so there's this sense of nature when we see it it is not as quite of a as central as some scriptures would be, but it shows that nature is still in the presence, even with the prophecy of Jesus to come, that there's still some sense of nature is still participating in this role. Wilson, you want to jump in? Sure. Um, well, I think that there, there's also, some, I guess I see creation also at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? With the, the, the word beginning or arche, I think that, I think there's a little bit of an echo of Genesis here. And and so I think there's also an echo of kind of uh, a continuing creation, an ongoing creation that that that's kind of being enacted, right? So uh, the, the, it's the opening of the gospel, and it's saying there's this kind of new beginning that's happening, and a way that's being made, um, kind of in out of the old way, right? and, so, and and that way is. A way of life and also that way the, the echo of, of isaiah 40 um 
in the passage, I think is, is also an, an invocation of, of, of that Exodus way. Um, so I think that kind of the, the whole passage is maybe about new creation. Mm. Um, and also I think that the, 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 cre the kind of creation space where then the story time get, kind of gets located with John in the wilderness, I think that's um, yeah, a certain space, a certain kind of, uh, of the natural world which is, I think, I think here coded as periphery, right? So it's John is in the wilderness, which is to say in the marginal lands, right? Which is the space of where slaves escape to right? in the Exodus. It's a space where people's uh, wait for, you know, kind of the, the, the coming of apocalyptic saving. Mm. Um, it's also the space in Mark's gospel of organizing where the crowds gather, right? Where the crowds gather kind of in this other space. And so I think that kind of the, the space of creation that, that's being highlighted um, is, is that space of wilderness, but wilderness as periphery, wilderness as um, a space where, other, where something can happen beyond empire. Hmm. That's good. Mark, uh, any, any thoughts to add to what you've heard so far about where creation is in this passage? amplify some uh maybe uh I, I come to this of course as an old testament specialist and um references to exodus and wilderness that have already been made that that is uh i hear this all over this text uh and it makes me think of um passage in deuteronomy i think it's deuteronomy 7 uh where uh, god warns israel that while they're in the wilderness um and they're living a subsistence living, going from water hole to water hole and eating manna, uh, not quite wild honey and 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 uh, locust, but um, and John. I mean, it's emphasized that John is quite the ascetic here. Barely uh, <laughs> living out in the wilderness with some some rudimentary clothing and eating just what the land provides, which is not much. Uh, Deuteronomy seven warns Israel that. When they get into the, the settled land and have the plenty that Canaan will bring, uh, they may forget what it is to be dependent on God. So mm. I think it's uh, and become arrogant and go off their own way. And I, I think there's something about John going out to the wilderness to do his work is like an invitation to reset back to a, an awareness of who we are uh, or, or who the people who are coming to be baptized. Uh, who they are and before God. And I, I think, um, you know, when when we talk about nature, uh, we want to talk about the nice, lush, green places and all that kind of stuff. But some of the most beautiful parts of nature are the very, very sparsely vegetated and all of that. And uh, it, sometimes it, would, it behooves us to get in contact with that element of things that simplicity and rawness and bareness and scarcity even uh, may be more thankful for what we have it's a wonderful if you want to think about repenting it's a, the, the desert desert would be a good place to go if you need to do some repentance work yeah yeah that's really good i i i love this i love this idea that um there's the wilderness, the creation kind of as context that there's a stripping of stripping away of of niceties. There's a stripping away of civilization. There's a stripping away of um, 
yeah, to your point, Mark, all of those things that might get in the way of us um, experiencing God, depending on God, relying on God, um, and maybe instead falling back on our own ingenuity. Um, we wanted to add a kind of a, a, a bonus question here. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that is that is a uh, that we're as we're thinking about Advent, we're thinking about this this idea of creation bearing witness. And then, and then to what or in what ways is creation bearing witness in this passage? If you want, if anyone wants to jump in, go ahead. There is a way in which these kind of elemental and kind of creational elements that are at the heart of the story, right? The baptismal waters, um, the locusts and honey, this marginal space of wilderness. Um, I think it's all kind of bearing witness to an alternative way, right? Because I think the gospel starts off as, right, as just calling it gospel is to say good news, which in their context means the kind of announcements that the empire would make in which it was claiming to provide sustenance and security through its means, right? Mm. So there was a big harvest you're welcome on behalf of Caesar. Caesar did this, right? <laughs> not the land, not the farms. So, so, but then there's this kind of alternative witness right, of, of creation beyond the decreation of empire, right? So that where there are waters that wash away and renew of new creation. There's also this kind of sustenance, this, this simplicity that comes from this nourishment from the desert. Because I, I think that's, you know, and I guess we'll get into this more. I, you know, I think John is being lifted up as prophetic figure, specifically maybe Elijah. And and I think that this kind of what what he's doing out in the wilderness is learning how to subsist um, on something else, right? Through creation, right? Not through empire. In part because he's pushing against empire, but he's also finding a different way to sustain. Um, through this kind of simpler creation. So I think the, the, the witness of creation here is, is both a, a witness against the decreation of empire, but then it's also this kind of subtle but elemental um, emergence uh, and possibility of being sustained beyond that, of, of a new creation or, or living with the rhythms of creation. Mm. I, I can't help but think of all uh, whole a whole range of kind of mystic uh, Christian Christian thought about the, the desert fathers and um, the the wilderness place of and I'm reminded that uh, after the baptism of Jesus, he goes into the wilderness for forty days mm -hmm. and uh, there to sort of and fast during that time period, uh, apparently in an effort to to uh, sort of look inward and upward and 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 come to some understanding of what he's going to do next and who he is and those kinds of things and without distraction um and lord knows in the world we live in distraction free existence is almost impossible uh, even for a few moments and, uh, and no wonder we're so decentered de in our lives we have no opportunity to ever have a decent conversation with ourselves, but, you know, <laughs> down. And I, I just, I just see this as kind of okay. If you, if you're going out to John, you're, you're leaving. And I think it's interesting uh, that phrase that uh, 
the translation had all the countryside of Judea or something like that. It's, mm. you know, the Greek word there is Korah, and it does refer to something like agricultural land or mm. uh, settled area. And so they're leaving the settled land to go out there and in, into the, the wilderness of the Jordan, which is you know, a pretty rough place if you've ever been there or seen pictures. Mm. Yeah, I would add that looking at the passage, I feel like I'm very struck by the symbolism of the water and the wilderness um as we've already mentioned those themes already but I feel like they are where it shows creation especially the prophecy of Christ to come but I also feel like they also give some foreshadowing for just the life of Christ because the water and the wilderness they're present from the beginning to the end and so there's this beautiful like alpha and omega type of imagery that comes along with it and so as we see um creation in the creation story for Jesus um it's there throughout the themes and so for me that's how that's one of the ways because to me wilderness it's not just like a desert it's it's an ecosystem and so there's Jesus was amongst other creatures that then were um there and so all of this is being witnessed to for John but all and the coming of Christ um, into his official ministry, but also with the um, also coming into just the overall mission and purpose of Christ as well. Mm, I like that. I like that. Um, and I, I think what, what I'm, I'm hearing a lot here is, is creation bearing witness to um you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting, you know, Mark, your your idea of of that these folks would be from the countryside, these folks would be from the agricultural lands that like, this is already a people who are slightly more attuned to listening to the voice of creation. Um, already more attuned that like this, 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 John isn't an urban phenomenon, you know, John's ministry isn't an urban phenomenon where it, this is the, the most distractible of the distractible people is, you know, it's the folks who are already somewhat attuned to listening to nature who, who start this ball rolling. And, and I think that in, in that way, it's, it's the people for whom creation has already been something of a witness who become the witness to the beginning of, 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 jesus is entering into the world which i find um pretty striking i pretty pretty striking that there already there has to be sort of a a predisposition to to be able to listen to a guy like john um to not just completely dismiss uh dismiss him as a, as a crackpot you know people who maybe aren't that far from camel hair and locust and wild honey themselves mm -hmm. um that that uh makes John a little bit more um, digestible for them. Mm. So uh, how is God calling us to interact with creation uh, in this passage? And I think there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this question. Um, so whoever wants to jump in, how is God calling us to interact with creation here? Well, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll make a comment. I, I, uh, I think uh, that the elemental uh, nature of existence in the wilderness uh, 
can be cleansing as it is mm. when he baptized. Uh, because I mean, I'm struck all the time by um, how how distant uh, moderns are in most cases from even simple questions like where their food comes from. Mm. And do potatoes grow under the ground or above the ground? You know that sort of thing. And uh, uh, when you're, I mean, if if you're if you think about just not having a refrigerator to go to uh, or a store, uh, it, it will put you very quickly in contact with what it is dependent upon God's good graces given us in the creation. And that's that's like this is like I think of this is like a boot camp experience for people to uh, go out and say, okay, you've got a knapsack and a canteen for water, and now go find some food and. Uh, and even the water, which is present here, but it's the Jordan, and that's uh, it's a it's a puny river if you've ever seen it. Mm. Uh, uh, I think there's something in it in the notion that that puny river can cleanse you from sin, but it's not like you're taking a bath in in the Jordan. You're you're getting kind of rinsed off a little bit. I don't know what to do, but <laughs> I, I just I just it's this is this is a. A physical existence and a and a spiritual and emotional existence, which I I just don't know anyone, including myself, who's been through that and who lives in that kind of way for any period of time. I've never lived that way for for five minutes, to tell you the truth. Hmm. Um, and it's just hard to conceptualize what that effect, what the effects of that kind of the awareness of how how tenuous everything is and how in the desert how sparse everything is now hmm. i mean i can't imagine but eating a locust could you put that put that in your mind a minute uh i i, I guess i would get hungry enough where i did but it would take a while <laughs> so i hear i hear an invitation to take a moment and strip all of the trappings away and hmm. be alone nearly naked in front of god and and uh, and and see what happens. Mm. Yeah. Wilson, Karen. Uh, I, I'm I'm again kind of struck by both the kind of the, the the genre of story we're being presented with, right? Where it's this kind of counter good news, right? So if good news is normally imperial propaganda, we're getting a different kind of story, and then it's a story that goes to a, a wilderness way for a new creation. And so like, so on the front of the good news, um, I feel like that there's a call here to really lean into prophetic imagination, mm. right? So if, if we are approaching issues of creation justice, um, we don't necessarily need to appeal to the power of, or start with the power of experts. Um, and we don't necessarily need to, you know, kind of go hat in hand to Caesar and measure everything we're doing by Caesar's metrics. But instead, we need to lean into the power of prophetic imagination, uh, prayer, theology, story, a ritual, and use that to animate the people, right? Mm -hmm. And often the people who are not at the center of power. And so I think that, that there's a calling there for how to do this kind of work of of renewing creation. 
And part of it is, again, the wilderness, right? So it's the wilderness people, like Mark said, out in the Cora. It's the it's agricultural people. It's people on the periphery. It's the people who escape and find freedom in that space. It's the people who are ready for something new because they know just how broken things are. Um, so I think, so it's a calling prophetic imagination in this space and with these people. But also I think in wilderness ways where I think there's maybe also a, an example from John where th to find ways to begin to sustain ourselves that doesn't make us so dependent on the empire, right? So, and, and that would, doesn't mean literally eating locusts and honey, but finding forms of mutual aid, finding ways of sharing, finding ways of building cooperation and power. Um, but I think that, that one of the things that's helpful about how small locusts and honey are is that you're probably not going to feed a community off of locusts and honey. <laughs> and so there's maybe some realism I, here where I need some honor from heaven for that. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so there, we also need some realism. If, if, you know, if we're talking about finding ways to sustain ourselves beyond empire, um, it's not going to, we're not feeding the whole community with that, but we can find little pieces, right? Little, little things that begin to sustain us so we can begin to imagine how we can do this while also being realistic that, you know, this isn't about purity or self-righteousness or even solitude. Um, it's about the prophetic imagination of beginning to communally find a different way to heal things and to work for justice. Um, as I look at the passage, I think about what it talks about is the foreshadowing of like, I baptize you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and to me, it's just, I feel like what's being called in this passage is to just live according to the the straight paths that were that Jesus made. And so I think part of that, I think that Wilson's point gets to that with like just the smallness. But I just I think if we live our way, our lives in ways that are anti-capitalist, anti um systems that continue to oppress people. And so I do think that there's a smallness that comes along with that and that we're being called to. And I think um John in that example of talking about how he wore clay clothing made of camel's hair um, with, you know, a leather belt and ate locusts and wild honey. And there's a certain smallness that I do agree with that it feels like we're being called to a smallness that is um, the antithesis of the culture that we currently live in. And so instead of having more and bigger, we're being called to live smaller, to live um, more quietly um in the wilderness in some respects mm. yeah i i, I want to i mean i'm sitting here thinking my mind works associatively and i know that the baptism is one of the very few things that is uh occurs in all four gospels and um and in matthew and luke for example uh the, the expression and with fire is added after mm. he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, I think it's in John's gospel that points out that Romans and Roman soldiers and tax collectors and all kinds of people were among those who were coming out to be baptized, suggesting, you know, and as John, in one of John's themes, the universal universality of the gospel. But one of the things I think, you know, it's, it's right here at the center. We've talked about um, 
the uh, uh, wilderness as the context for John's ministry, but this, the substance of John's ministry was a call to repentance. And um, I'm aware also that very soon um, in Mark 1, when Jesus begins preaching, he, he preaches uh, announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, he says, and believe the good news. And so um, it's, it's interesting to me that the context is a place of simplicity and scarcity and but the work being done here, the, the objective mm. is to is to rethink, renounce some of your old ways and start down a new path. And, and, and uh, I think that's that's uh, what we all what we need uh, to do mm. now is with respect to just about every aspect of public and many private lives. Mm. And I would say that I think that's so rich about the repentance point. And I would say with repentance, when it comes to the rest of creation, that repentance is regenerative because repentance being the sense of apologizing or acknowledging our sin and then turning away from it. And so there's a sense of we're not going to keep doing what we did. It's conservation. It's regenerative and how that happens. And so when it comes to creation, I think if we think about the conversation around repentance, there has to be a regenerative response that happens with the rest of creation. Mm. Uh, you know, as I'm listening to you, uh, listening to you all, I'm thinking about how I have, I have so many people in my life who like, when they talk about the future, they talk about a future where they move away from the city and they move out to the country and they disassociate from uh, the, the noise and the chaos and all of those sorts of things. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm struck, Wilson, by this idea that um, locusts and wild honey aren't gonna feed a community. Um, and that what's, what's not happening here is a new community being built out in the wilderness. Right. It's the wilderness being a place to do the hard reset. It's creation giving us the space and the quiet to do a hard reset that then, you know, um, the repentance that then leads us back into the world. It's not the, the wilderness isn't the permanent escape. Wilderness isn't the like we're we're fleeing away from culture and we're going into the wilderness to like run away from it all. It's to hard reset so that we can go back into empire essentially strengthened and and realigned and with a new set of values and vision. Um, and I think that's part of the invitation of creation here is creation us working in harmony with creation, creation offering us the gift to reset, reevaluate, realign, re um, reorient ourselves and um, and repent and repent, um, obviously. And, and I, I I think that there's a there's a great value. Um, you know, I think the our instinct when we talk about running away to the country, I think is 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 kind of right. Um, 
but we can't all run away from the country. <laughs> you know that that we because people get left behind, uh, and and things get left behind, and and the vulnerable often get left behind. Um, and so we need places to reset, um, but we also need to reset with a mind towards going back to those places to which God has called us. Well, I wonder if the Advent Horizon then is also, you know, it can can the time of Advent also be a kind of wilderness time, mm. right? A, t- a time of reset. And then also can our, our celebration of Advent and then Christmas tide can that be something that actually is looking to the future that you talk about, right? So instead of being something that's about nostalgia, you know, what if what if Advent really is about the social practice of hope? Mm. And it is about gathering together um, in a different time and space um, and to and, and and to listen to the rhythms of creation, right? And then creation, again, not as point of origin, but creation as ongoing creation, as you know, creatio continua, and then also as new creation. Mm. And so can can this advent time be a wilderness time? And and not a wilderness time in solitude necessarily, but actually a wilderness time of communal repentance and a wilderness time where we pass through waters that renew us mm-hmm. and, and get into the line of of, of, a, of the of the rhythms and simplicity, but also of solidarity and sufficiency of creation. Yeah. I think we're we're touching on this. I, I think we've begun to touch on this um already, but let let me ask it explicitly here. Um, so where is there a call? Uh, where is there a call for the church here? Well, uh, increasingly, uh, to, to me anyway, the term church is such a problem because it means it ought not to, but in the way we hear it and the way many people use it, it means building and institution and committee structures and Sunday morning worship hour and pipe organs and all of that stuff. And uh, it's going to be hard uh, to take that aggregate to the wilderness, even for a day. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's that's terrible. Um, yeah, m- most people, I would I think, would react to a call for the church to spend some time in the wilderness quite negatively. <laughs> that can't be possible. That can't possibly be what we need to do. Uh, but I, I think that the only way you're going to strip away some of the stuff that is not good is by going through a wilderness experience. Um, and I, I wonder, I mean, it's typical today to kind of lament the, the demise, decline of the church. I sometimes wonder if it's not, we ought not rather think of it as a few years in the wilderness. Might not, it would be painful, but it might not hurt. Uh, to have that experience. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what's happening. Uh, I don't read God's mind too well. But um, I, I just think that you don't start over. Uh, you don't you don't start anew well without looking in the face what needs to be left behind. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much thinking the same thing around the wilderness, but I would also say it's going through a wilderness that, to Wilson's point earlier, that has a certain level of hope to it. I think that anytime we see the wilderness mentioned, there is this like 
decreasing that has to happen or this stripping away from society. And so it's not always painted in the right way, but there's always some level of hope or something good that comes after the wilderness. And so there's the promised land or salvation for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Like there's always this sense of the wilderness. It's not always how you want to live um per se but there is a hope um something beautiful that can come after it and so I think as we think about the wilderness and the stripping down that we have to do as a church we also are a people of faith where we're always looking towards the hope that is to come in Christ Jesus and so I think as we think about the wilderness and the the stripping down that needs to happen as a church, there's still a hope that we have that, um, you know, as people of faith, we always continuously look towards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thinking about this kind of, these practices of hope, um, I'm reminded of Ertz Block has this great line, I think, where he says something about how one of the central practices of hope, right, which is a virtue, it's a social practice, can be daydreaming. And so, you know, so, so whereas like, you know, dreams are not usually kind of necessarily aligned with reality, not really something that we can, you know, manipulate. Um, but daydreaming is something that often is uh, taking time to be in a space that's, that's actually not that far from what we experience, but a better version of it. Yeah. And and so I I wonder if you know in this space of wilderness in a time of festival, if if one of the things the church could do um, is is daydream, you know, what mm. what might come. Mm. Um, but then also I think that you know uh, uh, that there is a there is a harder edge to the wilderness and to definitely John the Baptist, and I think you know that that there was that the church is called to maybe think about. To what degree it is lifting up and dwelling in the moral imagination, right? To what degree that is kind of something that's bringing people to you know, the, this prophetic imagination, right? Leaning into spiritual practice, leaning into these these ways of being together to begin to imagine something else, right? Because because that's one of the things that's so constraining, I think, about you know the the metrics of empire is that it really narrows our imagination thinking about what's possible so i think a time of daydreaming is good but also i mean i think a, a time of simplicity a time of looking to the periphery and 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 kind of listening to to those who have been marginalized and to find ways of to find ways to to sustain that are more simply you know they're, they're, you know like kind of i don't necessarily think we need to make our Christmas festivals reduced into locusts and honey. But maybe there's also some space there to to begin to see gifts of sufficiency and not just abundance. Yeah. I'm I'm really challenged by all of this. Um particularly as as we think of the way that Advent is celebrated in most churches, which is not a stripping down it's a in, in fact it's a building up it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's a how do we have bigger and more and bigger and brighter and on and on and on and mark as you said i think most of us most of our churches 
would really bristle at the mm-hmm. idea of of sort of the 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 day in the wilderness um the day where we um where we are um kind of minimalist where we are kind of like uh stripped down to our essentials you know mm-hmm. um and yet i think that's that's really what repentance is you know in, in a lot of ways it is um it is getting us back to a new square one with a new starting point um, and getting us back to basics. Um, and John, John's gospel is very much a let's John's part in the, in the gospel, I would say is, is very much a let's get back to basics. Um, let's get back to the basics of trusting in God um loving god loving neighbor doing well by neighbor um because you know we have in in again other versions of this story um there's you know uh yes we have this this story in all four gospels but in other versions of the story um john gives a very specific uh picture of what that repentance looks like it's if you have two coats give Mm -hmm. one away it's if you have excess then then you know you're you're to share that with your neighbor um and so you know if we if we think about that um that that's a part of this this message of of who john is and what john is calling us to um there is a there is a call away from excess uh which feels <laughs> which feels anti-christmas <laughs> but very oh, but very advent uh very... on america, on america. <laughs> but there is there's a, a stripping away of excess that is a part of a part of this call to the church which i i think is um and i think the wilderness gives us context for that stripping away of excess um and creation gives us context for that stripping away of excess. And so that's um that's a little bit of what I've heard. Um and it's it's I, I I'm grateful. Um, you know, if 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 nothing else, um, I am grateful every year in Advent for the time to think about John and to think about John's ministry and to think about just how absolutely frightening and challenging and terrifying john is Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that we kind of need to be terrified (laughs) and shocked um uh so that we we are reminded of the radicalness of what the gospel is calling us to well friends thank you uh for this time uh Mark, Wilson, Karen, thank you so much for uh, engaging Mark chapter one and helping people think about um, what they might do with this passage as they're as they're beginning to preach this Advent season. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Green Lectionary Podcast. This episode was produced by Sprocket Wagner, and the music was provided by Christian McIver. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and help us spread the word with a good review. 
Leave us a comment to let us know how you've used the show and how we can make it more useful for your ministry. You can learn more about this and other programs of Creation Justice Ministries at creationjustice.org. Our story comes alive within these pages For every time and place throughout the ages God speaks and is heard in the enduring word Calls us to care for our world as we share the love that can set creation free Restoring the earth to wholeness, peace, and harmony. Let the songs of the water, land, and sky resound. Cause together we're all bound within these pages. There's always new life to be found.